Great. Well, thank you, Yuri, for the reading of the scripture. That was in Mark chapter 6. Hey, um, welcome and welcome to our service. And I just, we do really do miss all of you. And so we're looking forward to our September 6th outdoor service. If you have not signed up for that yet, please sign up for that. Um, that. That 11.30 service, really, there's still only room there, so please do that quickly, okay? Normally, during this time, I, we would ask, like, hey, just say hi, do an emoji or something on our chat room. Um, actually, I need you a little bit of your advice. Um, my wife and I are celebrating our 23rd wedding anniversary uh, this coming week, and I have no idea what to do. So I was just wondering if you could just put a little advice, a little bit of what, maybe something fun, something safe, Okay, but please just do that. Um, We'd love to go and get some advice. I'll get that from the host later. Be better than the first service because all they did was say congratulations. You can say congratulations, but give me advice, man. I am like really worried about this, okay? So I want to do something good. So imagine this. You're sitting down and you're waiting for this person that you wanted to go and speak to, not just that day, but there's this feeling that's been kind of building up within you for such a long time that now today is the day that you want to express your feelings for this other person. This other person comes, sits across from you, and, you, and there's this wealth of feeling that you can't contain yourself. So you go and bird out, I really enjoy the time that I have been spending with you. And I just want to let you know that I really like you. The person goes and puts their hand in front of your face and turns away and lets you know over many words the fact that they are not ready for any kind of relationship. In fact, they're just way too busy for you. You know, as I was preparing for today, my daughter actually saw a little bit of my, the words and notes that I had for today on my dresser. So she started reading those words and she stops and she looks at me. She goes, I don't want to hear about that. You know, today we're going to be talking about an event, a time, a situation, a word that we hate. We want to avoid it at all costs. And today's word, it's a, it's the word is called rejection, being rejected. You know, I love the sermons from the past few weeks, and if you haven't heard them, you should go and listen to them. Pastor Steve Clyde did an incredible job, but it talked about amazing faith you know, and the fact that they, they believed in what Jesus could do, his authority and power. And because of that, and the fact that, man, Jesus was able to heal the sick, he was able to cast out demons, he was able to steal the storm. I mean, that was amazing. But even more amazing than that, that was the fact that he rose someone from the dead. And as we enter into this chapter, well, if last week has to do with amazing faith, today we're going to be talking about the lack of faith and the rejection of Jesus. You know, one of the greatest desires that all of us have is the need to be loved, accepted, and needed. It's because we are created in love to be loved and also to go and maybe share love. But in light of that, one of the greatest fears that all of us have as humans is that we can experience that we could ever face is this thing called the fear of rejection. You know, so many times rejection is just the opposite of being loved of being accepted, being received. You know, rejection is one of the most difficult things that any of us could ever experience in this life and maybe in the next. You know, nobody wants anyone or anything, like a team or a business, to go and just 
you know, we want so desperately to go and that person, we want that thing to accept them. But at the same time, we want them to include us and receive us. But none of us likes this feeling. When we want things, something so bad, but they let us know in return that they do not want us back. And yet rejection is something that we all have experienced and we will experience in the future. Rejection is sadly part of the human experience. You know, it might, it might begin in childhood. Maybe you were laughed at. Maybe you were ridiculed. You weren't allowed to be a part of that team or group. You weren't invited to go and sit at that table, to go and be, to hang out with that crowd. That somehow, you know what, you weren't invited to go and go to that party or that social event. You know, rejection doesn't end there. You know, as you graduate from middle school and high school, the truth is the fact that we face the possibility of rejection for the rest of our lives. That people receive rejection letters from a school or a college. Or they get rejection notices from the bank and letting them know that they didn't get that refi or that business loan they need right now. They might receive an email or a message from a prospective employer. And we know the fact that it is said today that only 2% of resumes that are actually looked at and received. But we know that there's only one person who actually receives the job. You know, today's issues, we know the things that are happening in the news and hearing a lot about it. We know that there are people who believe the fact that they are facing rejection because of the color of their skin or the possibility of the fact the culture in which they come from. Perhaps one of the most difficult rejections that people could ever face is maybe from their spouse who all of a sudden at times abruptly just goes and lets you know that they want out that they want this thing called a divorce, that they no longer want you in their life. In fact, they don't even want to share the same space with you. You know, tragically, that same person who previously, maybe as we, if I stand here on stage at this altar, that maybe people have stood together and shared vows together, how much they love each other till death do their part. And all of a sudden, one side says to the other that, you know what? they rather trade you off for what seems better to them. You know, we can rationalize why people reject us. You may be not tall enough, not pretty enough, not smart enough, maybe come from the right background, don't speak well enough, I don't know, don't have enough money. But it doesn't matter how you rationalize it, you have been rejected. And it not only happens to just a portion of our population, it happens to everyone at some point in their lives. In our passage today, we are reminded that it's not just us who gets rejected, but but it also includes Jesus and also includes his disciples. And so there's two stories that we're going to be sharing today. And so that longer session that which Yuri read today, there's actually two sessions. One is in Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 6, and the other one's from 7 to 13. In the first half, we're going to be learning more about how Jesus was rejected and why he was rejected. And in the second portion, the 7 to 13, we're going to be learning how Jesus goes and prepares his disciples to go and face rejection. You know, rejection is something that we all have experienced and we will experience in the future. But how can we face it God's way? So as we go through this, hopefully we'll find some meaning along the way. 
Maybe we'll find some application in how to face rejection like Jesus did and also his disciples. You know, if you haven't turned there yet, you can turn to Mark chapter 6, and you can kind of follow along, but I'll summarize it the best way I can. And the way that Mark starts us off, he tells us that Jesus has gone home for a short period of time. It was on a Sabbath, like today or like on a Sunday, that Jesus goes to the local synagogue to go and begins, begins to teach. Now, Mark wants us to understand at this moment is that as he, um, people are gathering, the fact that there are people gathering from all over because they heard about him. And why not? I mean, everyone from Tyree to Sidon to Beersheba had heard about what he had been doing. You know, there was a buzz about Jesus going on. I mean, he was healing people, casting out demons, even stilling the storm. Now, that was big news. I mean, who wouldn't have been drawn to Jesus during this time? And as they listened on that Sabbath morning, you know, Mark tells us the fact that everyone was marveled. They were amazed at what they were hearing. They've never heard someone speak the way that Jesus was speaking. His words were full of power and authority. His presence was electrifying. I mean, it lit up the room. We're in an empty room, so I'm lighting up the room right now. Okay? So I'm trying and everything. But at the same time, you know, there was an energy about him. An energy about him that was inviting and warm. And yet at the same time, it invaded the very soul and spirit of a person. It seems as if everything was going well. But then suddenly, all of a sudden, things were turned. I mean, all of a sudden, things were starting off well, but it ended up being horrendous and horrible. That there would be a time of denial and rejection. That his own townspeople that he grew up with started to turn on him and reject him. The very same people that, you know, he's seen all his life. You know, maybe he was known as a carpenter, and he was known as some that maybe fixed maybe a wall, maybe did some stonework, maybe fixed their roof, but they rejected him. And I'll give you a couple of reasons of why they rejected him. They began to go and question number one, to question his identity, his worth, and his abilities. That they began to wonder, I mean, how in the world does this little boy that we have seen grown up and seen walking around doing all the things that he is doing? Isn't he just a carpenter? I mean, isn't he like the local um, handyman around the place? Now, during that time, being a carpenter was actually really well respected. I mean, it's something that people did. But you don't go and try to be someone that you're not. You know, in today's America, right, here in America, that you can be whoever you want to be. It doesn't matter what social class, what position, what title you have. The fact that you can work yourself up, you can work yourself out, you can change your social status, you can change your position, you can even change your titles as many times as you want. But in Jesus' days, you didn't do that. If you were born a carpenter, you stayed a carpenter. Unless someone maybe picked you out. But no one picked Jesus. And so they questioned him on his identity, worth, and ability. But they also questioned him on his lineage and the fact that his background and where he came from. Now, if you notice in your Bible and things like that, they never refer to him as the son of Joseph. They always refer to him as Mary's son. And so growing up, they might have, must have known the story of the virgin birth and how Jesus said that, that God was Jesus' father. They never believed that. 
And they also never believed that Joseph was his father either. And so there must have been some type, maybe some gossip, maybe some slander surrounding Jesus' birth. And it was still maybe kind of alive and well during that time. And they also began to wonder, you know, it's like, Jesus, I mean, is he worthy to be talking to us? I mean, nobody else in his family is doing what he's trying to do. No one in his family was ever picked to go and be a preacher to go and teach, to go and heal people, even cast out these demons. No one is ever showing that kind of promise. You know, what happens is the fact that in their minds, they had that Jesus, he was just this handyman. And you don't leave that. He didn't hold any degrees. He didn't hold any high position in the temple. But thinking about what they had heard about him, wouldn't you think the fact that he's coming home doing amazing things, that they would welcome him home. They would have banners across the street, making the place famous. But they didn't do that at all. Instead, they turned their backs on Jesus. They rejected him so severely. It says that Jesus was not able to do many miracles because of their unbelief. People should have, at that town, should have maybe seen some healings. They should have maybe seen people being released from oppression. Maybe there'd been a joy and a freedom that could have been there. But instead, you know what? They missed out. It's hard to go and read these stories and not shake your head and wonder what's going on there in their minds. It's the same thing with Jesus. It says the fact that Jesus was marveled at their unbelief. I've memorized it as a maze, so I'll use a maze and marveled the same way. So they were amazed and marveled, marveled. And, but, you know, it's actually, there's only two places that Jesus was actually ever amazed by just his people. You know, normally they were amazed by Jesus and the fact that what he was doing, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising someone from the dead. They were amazed by that. But only two places in the Bible that it ever mentions that Jesus was ever marveled in us. One had to do right here in the lack of faith, in their unbelief. The other one is in Luke chapter 7, when a centurion comes to Jesus and asks, can you please heal my servant? But because of the fact that he was a person in charge of many other soldiers, he said, you know what? <clears throat> it's just by your word. If you just go and say, I know your power authority. If you just say, my servant's healed, I know that will be done. And he was marveled at this person's faith. I'll read a, a portion of it. It says, in, it says, For I too am a man set under authority. And this is the centurion talking with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to the other, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Amazing faith. You know, when it comes to the work of the Lord, you know, there's a need for us, these two things, love and faith. The sense of receiving God's love and understanding that, but it's also a sense of going out in faith and believing that what he can do. These are vital keys. You know, the lack of both can be so powerful that it could even stop the very work of our God, of our Father, of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And that's what happened in Jesus' own town. Because of their lack of faith, it denied them all kinds of miracles, anointings, and blessings. 
But as I say that, I, I want you to understand this, and this is very key. The fact that Jesus' authority and power was not somehow weakened because of their lack of faith. But it was more so because of they, they rejected the very power and the authority in which Jesus offered them. They didn't accept what he had to offer. It was still, you know, he was still able to do some miracles. He was able to do some healings in, in that town. But at the same time, it wasn't because of the fact that he did so little. It wasn't because of his, somehow his authority was taken away from him or somehow he was drained of his power. It was more so because his townspeople didn't want it. And so we see in this first half of this story, in the fact, the rejection of Jesus and what they totally missed out on. And so what Jesus does is as we get into verses 7 to 13, that he needed to go and maybe, you know, help his disciples learn how to handle rejection and how to continually spread his word. So Jesus at this point, you know, we know that Jesus had given his, his disciples the power to cast out demons and to bring healing to those who desired it. He even gave them a message of salvation for those who are willing to accept it and listen. So he moves on to this village and town. It doesn't really say where he goes, but it is very clear the fact that he actually left his hometown. Now, to make it very clear, the fact that he didn't run or hide, he didn't go in because they rejected him, he just went to another town. He actually stayed, right? He still did some miracles. He did some healings in his own town. But he takes his disciples to another town because at this point, he needs to go and help them to learn. He helps them to learn how to, you know, spread the word, how to go and heal the sick and, and cast out demons. But he, what, he, what Jesus does, and so from 7 to 13, it says that Jesus sends out his disciples two by two. Two by two. Very important. And I was, re, I was thinking about that. I was like, why would he send them out two by two? You know, number one, maybe because of accountability, right? The sense of like, oh, you're going to do it? Yeah, I'm going to do it. So if I do it, you're going to do it too? Okay, I'll, I'll do it, okay? The sense of accountability. But also in the sense where maybe they knew that they were going to face possibility of rejection. And there's going to be times of encouragement and a time to go and lift each other up. So he takes this time and he makes sure in the fact that, you know, he sends them out two by two. So when I'm thinking about how does Jesus help us to go and face rejection during this time, you know, in number one, if you have your notes, you can look at that. But number one, Jesus never ran away after being rejected. In fact, with, with even knowing the possibility of being rejected, he still did what he, he needed to do. You know, our natural reaction when it comes to the possibility of being rejected, maybe it's to hide, maybe it's to isolate ourselves. Even after being rejected, we tend to go and say, okay, never going to do that again. But God calls us in the fact that we should never isolate ourselves. We never should never hide. We should never run. You know, another thing that Jesus asks us to do, I believe in the scripture, is the fact that Jesus asks us to go and stay on mission. Here at Living Hope, we did a theme called On Mission. It reminds us our need to go and reach out towards the world. And Jesus' purpose was never altered by his own hometown when he was rejected. Jesus always wanted to train his disciples to spread the gospel, the good news, and what Jesus is doing. You know, when we are rejected during these times, even the possibility of rejection, I think we have to learn how to stay on mission. 
But for us to stay on mission, we need to stay close to God during this time. That we need to learn how to listen to his voice. Because many times we're so off track and many times we need to be back on track. And so when Jesus says to stay on mission and he stayed on his mission, same thing for us. That we need to stay close to what God is saying. That God is saying, you know what, I have a plan for you. One not to harm you or hurt you, but one to give you a future and a hope. But at the same time, we have to listen to what he is saying to us at this moment. You know, Jesus goes on and he talks about very specific instructions and what he wants his disciples to bring. He says, maybe bring a staff or a walking stick, stick um, no bread, no bag, no money in your belt. Oh, it's kind of, oh man, stripping everything away. You can wear sandals, which is pretty good, and do not wear two tunics. As if Jesus is totally just stripping and all they have left is really themselves. And it's so important, the fact that I think Jesus is telling his disciples, keep it simple. Keep it simple. The most important thing that you can do is bring yourself. But to bring yourself means that you need to know who you are in Christ. Who you are in Christ. No position, no talent, no accomplishments that you have done, no skills that you bring. You know, what sets us apart more than anything else is the authority and the power of God that God gives us. That's what sets us apart. You know, if we are his children and we call God the King of kings and the Lord of lords, it means as his children that we are a prince, that you are a princess in his kingdom. And wherever you stand, you stand as royalty, that wherever you walk, you walk with the same power and authority of God. But because if we know who we are, we know that we are called to a sense of holiness and righteousness that we should be set apart and how God has made us. And that's what makes us significant. That's what makes you significant of knowing who you are in Christ. But knowing all these things, the fact that, you know, knowing who you are, knowing your purpose, knowing never to run away. But at the same time, the fourth thing is this, and the fact that be willing to go and step out in faith with God. You know, he asked his disciples, hey, go two by two. You going to do it? Oh, I'm going to do it. If you go do it, I'll go do it too, right? So we're going to go, and we're going to go out in what God says, and we're going to go out in faith. It's in faith that we experience the very blessings, the anointings, the very work of God. But we need to be responsible to do what we know what we need to do. That we're called as Christians to go and share the good news about Jesus Christ. We're called to go out of the church right now. Right? Because right now, I don't know, the easiest thing that we could have done as Christians before was to go and, you know, invite someone to church. We can't do that right now. Somehow God has made us go beyond the walls and he has called us to be salt and light in the world. He has called us to be his ambassadors in the world. I'm so thankful for the fact that right now, the fact that as a church, that, you know, he's called us out that we're doing this thing called Feed Brea. And I'm hoping that you will sign up for that, right? Um, and I want to let you know and I, that during these times as Christians, as we called out to the world, he sends us out two by two. He really does want to make sure in the fact that we are showing the very purity of, of the gospel. I would say it like this. And the fact that as we are working together, and now you can't go and 
you know, maybe you can call people and everything else, but it isn't the crucible of relationships that the gospel is being seen as credible. As we step out in faith and we work together and we kind of do what we need to do, it's our opportunity for the world to see who we are. But it's in the crucible of relationships that, you know, you put some metal in, you put some gold in. But the thing about it is that when you put fire under a crucible, all of a sudden you see the dust, the things that doesn't belong there come to the top. And we need to learn how to take that away. You know, how important for us when we step out in faith as a church that we need to go and be able to work together. There may be, you know, the fact that even if we disagree about certain things one or the other, but we need to learn how to do this together so that the purity of the gospel can be seen. We're called to go and live a holy and righteous life. We're called to be examples for Christ. You know, as I'm, I'm asking you for to step out in faith, can I give you three practical ways on how you can step out in faith during this season? Number one is this, that you would hear their story. Hear their story. That is during this time that people are lonely isolated, going through times of storms in their life. They feel like they're being demonized by the things that are happening within their lives right now, their thinking, their thoughts. Maybe there's a sense of fear of death. And this is our opportunity as Christians to have the authority and power that God has given us to go and give a listening ear, to maybe give a time of prayer, maybe a time of encouragement to the people who desperately need it. And as you hear their story, I'm hoping for the second thing to happen. Number two is the fact that I'm hoping that you would be able to share your story and how God is encouraging you or maybe how the church community is coming around you to go and help you through these times. Or maybe as you're reading God's word, there's something that comes there that you want to share with them and how God is helping you. And hopefully it gets you to the third thing. It gets where you're able to share God's story. You know, God's story is so important in the fact that, you, um, you know, that God loves you, God accepts you, and then God also wants you to receive him in your life so you can experience all the blessings that he has to offer you. You know, as I'm talking to you about today and you're thinking about the willingness to step out in faith and knowing who you are and staying on mission, you might be thinking, I haven't been doing that during this season. You know what? It's the same way in how we receive Christ. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is yet and you would like to receive him in your life, and if for someone that maybe you haven't been walking the way that you're supposed to be walking with him right now, almost the same kind of prayer. You say, dear God, you know, thank you for Jesus. Thanking the fact that he died on the cross for my sins. I'm a sinner in need of a savior and I want you to be mine. You know, I know the fact that um, I just want you to be my Savior, and I want you to be my Lord. Help me to be, kind, be, be the kind of person that you want me to be. And you can say in Jesus' name, amen. But if you do that within faith, and all of a sudden, how far away that you are from God, God instantly comes back to you, or God comes into your life, and you're able to have that right relationship with him, again, because it's done by faith, by his authority, and by his power. You know, I've been talking a lot about just, you know, reaching out in faith and, and you know, sharing the gospel, sharing the good news. But this actually still works also for your work, for your marriage, for your relationships, even with your kids, that maybe it's kind of hard. 
that during this time, whatever issues that you're, you're facing right now, the first thing is that not to run away. Not to run away. That we're called to go and do and, and stay and not hide and not isolate ourselves. That we need to be reminded the fact that we need to stay on mission. Be reminded of the vows that you've done in your marriage. Remember the fact that God has entrusted you with your kids to raise them in the way that they should go. That in your work and everything, that God has given you the vision of what you need, want to do. Continually pursue that. But at the same time, he can maybe possibly change that at the same time. So you have to stay on mission and listen to his voice. Stay close. But also we need to know who we are in Christ. The power and authority that has been given to us. That you know what? We're learned, we need to learn that we are meant to be set apart, holy and righteous with him. And we need to know and live up to what, who we are called to be. And if anything else, as we hear him and we're close to him, and we kind of figure out where God wants for us, we need to learn how to step out in faith and do what God has asked us to do. You know, for some of us, we might be dealing with some parts of maybe rejection that has happened in the past. It also says here that if, if there's any place that will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, Jesus says, you know what, shake off the dust off your feet. Not that we don't care about the things that have happened in our past, but we don't want those things to affect you. Jesus was affected by the things that have happened in his own town. He was marveled by, his, by their unbelief. And so he didn't want resentment and anger and everything to go and affect them, that there's come, come to a place where you need to shake the dust off your feet and move on. And for some of you, you've been holding on to maybe a rejection that has happened in your life, and you need to take time to go and give that back to God place it in his hand, and release you from those times of rejection. So as we go and think about the things that have happened today, you know, let me just pray. And for those of you maybe suffering from times of rejection, maybe let this time to be a time of healing in your life. So let's pray. So Lord God, I thank you, Father, for today. I thank you for your word and being reminded about the fact that ultimately you, Jesus, God was rejected not only by his townspeople, by, but by his own race. And the fact that, you know what, that you were rejected to a point where you had to die on the cross for our sins. But you place all of that rejection on the cross. And we can do that too. So I ask in Jesus' name for those who are suffering right now and holding on to maybe a rejection that has been hurting them for so long that we can take this time to go and place these things at your feet. And that we would take this time to move on, to go and be able to just not run anymore, to know who we are, to go and be able to stay on mission with you. But we will learn to walk in faith with you again. So we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen.